Hello, everyone, and welcome to HPAC On The Air, the monthly podcast of HPAC Engineering Magazine. I'm your host, Rob McManamy, Editor-in-Chief of HPAC. Now, March is Women's History Month, and we are recording this show on March 11th during National Women in Construction Week. Appropriately enough, our guest today is veteran mechanical engineer Ginger Scoggin, a principal at Engineer Designs, Inc. in Cary, North Carolina, and an upcoming president of ASHRAE in, uh, starting in July 2023. She recently served as chair of ASHRAE's Building Headquarters Ad Hoc Committee, which oversaw the net zero renovation project that created ASHRAE's new showcase headquarters outside of Atlanta. In November, Ginger also led ASHRAE's delegation to the United Nations COP26 Climate Change Conference in Glasgow, Norway. Now, Ginger, welcome to HBAC on the Air. Thank you, Ron. Now, as, as we can tell from your introduction, this has been an extraordinarily busy time for you. So thanks for making the time for HBAC. Uh, now, since we uh, were speaking during National Women in Construction Week, uh, maybe we should start there. Can you briefly describe for our listeners uh, your own career path a bit? What, what drew you to engineering in the first place and, and how it has uh, lived up to your expectations or how it might be different? Sure. Yeah, no, I think it's actually surpassed my expectations. So I, I actually started college as a math major. I was going to be an actuary because we had an actuary in the family and it was the only person in our family ever had any money. So my dad was like, you need to be an actuary. So got about halfway through and uh, realized that um, we really needed a degree in statistics to be an actuary. And it's, uh, it's a long road. It's like nine tests to do that. And I was like, um, my school was strong in engineering. So um, I decided to switch over to mechanical engineering and um, didn't really know what I was going to do when I graduated. I didn't have any engineers in the family. So it was kind of learning what engineers do through the process. As a matter of fact, when I graduated, my brother said, what are you going to do, drive a train? So um, it was, uh, you can tell how educated we were on engineering at the time. So um, I took a load calculation course as an elective uh, that uh, HVC load calcs, and I'll, I took it because my favorite teacher taught it. And uh, that was the only reason I took it. And interestingly enough, it was the only book I sold back because I didn't think I would ever use it. Um, so, you know, you just, things fall into place. But then got a job with a consulting firm right out of school, uh, learned about HVAC, which is not something that was ever really discussed a lot in mechanical engineering. Um, it's mechanical engineering is more theory based than application based, if you will. And um, just uh, that's what I've done since I graduated. And I started this business, my own business, about 25 years ago. So I've been doing uh, consulting um, on, you know, we're, we're about 25 people in my firm and we um, do work in North and South Carolina and kind of over the uh, East Coast. And um, it's been a good industry. I, I, I would recommend it for anybody that wants to get into uh, an engineering field. I've enjoyed it. Actually, let me just expand on that for a, a moment with, with you starting your own business. I know this wasn't necessarily on our, we had not discussed this before, but just that that's 25 years ago, starting your own business as a, as a, as a woman in engineering. How did that uh, decision and, 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 and path uh, unfold before you? That's a whole nother path. Um, um, <laughs> so I, uh, I, w- I had a job and I actually had two daughters that were only 14 months apart. And uh, when I, that was not planned either. So when my second daughter was born, I thought, you know, I'm going to work for myself and I'm going to work at home. And, uh, you know, you have these ideas that you're going to be able to set your own schedule and all this mess. Right. 
So, um, which, which was okay for a little while. And it kind of started spiraling with, I had clients stopping by the house in the evenings and all on the weekends, dropping things off. This was long before you could email drawings to people 25 years ago. You couldn't really do that as much. Um, so finally, you know, it was like a high to hire a couple people. And before we ended up getting an office, we had four people in my house and I think that the, the turning point for me was when my office manager, I came home one day, my office manager was filing in the file cabinets in the garage with her hat and gloves on and it was cold and it was like, okay, we need to get an office. So <laughs> it's just kind of grown up since then. Uh, it was never planned to be this size firm. It was planned to be ginger working part-time at home. Um, but, you know, good things happen and uh, that's where we are today. So it's kind of been a... a fortuitous path, if you will. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, and, and interesting, I'm sure, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, expanding on that a bit, is your, in your role with the with ASHRAE, and, uh, and ASHRAE's national leadership that you've certainly been part of for a while and will be for, for longer as well. Uh, can you also tell us a bit about the, now the society, um, I guess in recent years, the, the ongoing diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts that they uh, yeah. uh, they seem to have really gathered momentum with uh, with ASHRAE in the last uh, last few years, I, and I know you've been active with that as well. Yeah, we're really excited about that. So for the first time ever, you know, ASHRAE has a uh, board level subcommittee on DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. It is ran by Andre Sepulveda, who is actually uh, in Region 14, which is in Europe. Um, but they have come forward with a lot of recommendations on, on how to disseminate DEI throughout the levels of ASHRAE, if you will. Um, they, have, um, they have a budget now and they're getting, they're getting rolling on their, um, on their activities of, of, of informing um, all members of ASHRAE, right, about the importance of DEI and inclusion um, for regardless of, you know, color, race, gender, nationality, anything. So we're really working hard to try to promote DEI within ASHRAE. We had a forum at our, at our um, winter meeting in Las Vegas on DEI and the importance of DEI just to kind of um, put it out there. We've had some people say, why is ASHRAE even even worried about this or doing anything about it, but it is, it's hugely important. One of the things that I just went to a seminar about labor force. And one of the things that we're talking about is that it's going to take all of us to handle the needs of the future. You know, we need to be inclusive for, of everybody, um, regardless of their background and um, their ethnicity or their gender, because uh, the demands on all of us in terms of climate change, is going to be huge and it's going to take all of us in our industry and more. So we need to be inclusive from the get-go. Well, it certainly seems to make sense uh, yeah. as well. Um, now you've had your hands in, in so many different areas here, the changing subjects, I guess we, HPAC here recently spoke with uh, Elizabeth Beardsley of the U.S. Green Building Council about her experience at, at the COP26 uh, Global Summit in Scotland just, uh, just, I guess, four or five months ago. Now you were there too representing ASHRAE, so how would you describe uh, your own experience and overall takeaways from that uh, high stakes event? Has it changed how you approach anything professionally uh, since you've returned, would you say? 
It, it was uh, definitely an eye-opening event. It was the first COP that ASHRAE has had a formal representative to, and we actually did a program with AIA at, that, at COP, which I was involved in. Um, you talk about highly charged. That is the right word. I mean, it is a very highly charged event, and you've got a lot of, um, uh, of stuff going on at COP. There's no way to take it all in, especially on your first one. But um, a lot of people are or mean well when, when they're talking about climate change. And a, and a takeaway from me, maybe not the most positive takeaway, is that there are also um, efforts to game the system, if you will, and figure out how you can do as little and still get away with meeting whatever requirements that you, you set out. So there's a, there was a, a lot to take in there. Uh, it has definitely opened my eyes to how uh, politically charged this issue is because there was a lot of protesting as well outside of uh, COP26. Um, if you remember those days, there was a lot of, lot of, lot of protesting, and um, so and the importance that we we've got to put the environment and climate change as as priority number one. We've got to we've got to work on decarbonizing the building industry. We got to work on how we're going to make buildings more efficient. How we're going to make uh, systems more tighter so that we don't lose refrigerant charges. And so, you know, for our industry, that was my big takeaway. Um, and certainly there's, well, yes, as, as you said in the earlier answer, there's going to be plenty of work for everybody in, in, in that regard. Yeah. Now let's, I guess, switch over also to the, uh, I know we, our time's limited here, so we'll switch over to the, uh, the subject of the, the new um, headquarters in Atlanta, which actually also fits in with the COP26 theme and climate change. Uh, now it's been a major effort for the organization for the last several years and, and a real commitment to renovating uh, existing building stock into a net zero showcase. Now, what was the, uh, the role of the ad hoc committee there that you chaired and, and, and how would you rate the, the success of the overall project so far? Yeah, you know, I've done a lot for ASHRAE in 30 years, but I have to say that that, that role running that ad hoc for the last three years has been one of the most enjoyable roles I've done. Um, you know, we, we looked long and hard about what our mission was and what we were trying to showcase to the world. We, um, we looked at building a new building. We looked at leasing. It's just not in our nature to lease. And we felt like um, our job was to really show that you could renovate older buildings into energy positive or energy neutral um, buildings. You know, the role of the ad hoc was to oversee the project. Mm -hmm. So we oversaw the sale of our old building, the purchase of the new building, and then the renovation. And now we're in the measurement and verification phase. So we're checking our energy bills every month. We're seeing where we stand on our photovoltaics in terms of energy production. So that once we get a year's worth of data, we can see for definitively that we are net zero. So we're in the M and B phase right now. Um, our fingers are crossed in that regard. Um, Georgia Power had a, has a net metering cap on photovoltaics of 250 um, kVA. And so we, um, we maxed that out as much as we could. And uh, so we're, we're right on the cusp of thinking, hoping that we're going to be totally net zero. I mean, I've been a design engineer for 30 years, but I I learned a lot on that project. Mm -hmm. So I think no matter how long you're in this industry, you can still learn a lot of um, when you have different things that you're doing. I'm even thinking that, that just a major curveball in, in the middle of all that. I mean, when people okay. think of the last three years, yes, uh, COVID and, and uh, uh, the pandemic and, and I guess everything 
almost everything became remote for a while. So how did that uh, uh, change the dynamic of the, uh, uh, of the whole ad hoc committee? That was huge. Um, it was really huge because we had a tight deadline. We had basically, we sold our building to Children's Hospital of Atlanta, who was expanding their campus where we were. They let us stay in the building for basically a year, actually may have been a little bit longer than a year after that purchase. So we had to get out and we had to get to our new space and we had to find our new space, renovate our new space and get in our new space in that length of time. And uh, we had a lot of folks in Ashray say, you need to just go ahead and plan to move twice. You know, there's no way you're going to get this done in the time frame that you have to work with. And we were like, you know, that's a half million dollar cost to move twice because we did the numbers. And we're like, we'd rather put that money somewhere else. So we moved quickly. Uh, we got our building, we got it done and then COVID hit. Ugh. And um, right in the middle of construction. So luckily we had a really good team and they kept us on track and on schedule. We had, we had already negotiated with CHOA a few extra months mm -hmm. to stay in the building if we needed it. Um, luckily we ended up not needing it. So that it worked out. Oh, very, well, very good. It sounds, yeah, I'm sure it was. <laughs> it was hairy. It was hairy there. Yes. Every, new challenges every day. That's right. Um, well, Ginger, I, I appreciate your time here. Why don't we just go back to the, uh, um, well, I know we have limited time, so maybe our last question, I'll just come back to uh, returning to the topic of Women's History Month and women in construction. Uh, now, in that regard, and starting your own business 25 years ago or so, do you see yourself as a, as a role model and, and mentor at work and in your community? Um, what do you say to, to girls and, and, and young women, maybe even related to you, or I don't know, what do you say to them who might ask about a future in engineering? I say go for it. I mean, um, I don't, you know, it's funny. People say role model. I, you, you just work, right? You don't think about being a role model, right? It's just work. But I actually was on a conference earlier this morning with folks from India, from the Indian chapter of Ashray, and it was a women's event. And uh, it was talking about the importance of of being the people, I mean, you can't see yourself in a role sometimes unless you see other people in that role. And uh, so, you know, working your way up through the industry with all the trials and tribulations that come with it. But with that, you see that younger girls can maybe see themselves in this role one day. Maybe they can see that, that it can be done by women and regardless of where you are in the world. So, it was a really eye-opening thing for me because I've been in the industry so long, I don't even think about it anymore. But there's a lot of younger people that were on the call that were talking about how difficult it is for women to be in engineering, especially in parts of the country that are not in North America, right? And the, the, tri the trials they go through to actually even have a career. So um, it, it, is, it has gotten better um, probably than when I started. But... Um, we still have a ways to go. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, it just uh, occurred to me again, I guess, with, with ASHRAE being an international organization, that when you become president, that that's uh, a whole nother part of it, I guess, is, is, is that inspiration or, or, or message to the, uh, the rest of the world. Well, I appreciate you sharing that message with us uh, today, and I'm afraid that uh, we have run out of time, but, uh, but, but thanks so much for your time here and uh, the important contributions that you've made and, and are continuing to make to our industry. Um, so I'll, I'll uh, I guess we'll, 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 we'll end it here. Now we look forward to hearing from you again 
when you become ASHRAE president down the road. Um, in the meantime, good luck with all your important work and, and thanks everyone here for, for listening today. To hear previous episodes of HPAC on the air, please visit our members only section online at hpac.com. And uh, Ginger, I, I thank you uh, again for, for, for this time here today. And this thank important, you. important week, important month of the year. So, so thanks again and, and uh, take care everyone.